0: We were kind of talking about how, especially younger people are a little bit hesitant slash reticent to get out there and talk about their brand because some people, and I'm putting words in your mouth, but based on what I heard you say, some of them are saying, I really don't know who I am or what I do. To which I say, Mm -hmm. yeah, you kind of do. And I'm going to point right at your daughter, the story that you told about your daughter at age 15 wanting to get surplus or old science textbooks because she was gonna be a scientist. There's a Mm -hmm. 15 year old woman who knows exactly what she wants to do. And that's based not on, "Mm, I think I'll be a scientist this week, but on the fact that I'm intrigued by systems or I like digging into the the founding principles on stuff. And I wanna be able to quantify that. And again, I don't know your daughter at all. I I didn't even know you had a daughter. (laughs) But I'm going to say that yeah. she's she's already she already knows that she is she's got an analytical streak in her oh, that yeah. is very important to the who that she is. Am I wrong in this?
1: No, she's known who she is for years. I think she was probably twelve when she, she wanted to be a neuroscientist and it hasn't changed. She wants what she wants to study as a neuroscience researcher has changed and shifted. But she's been reading books from David Engelman and other prominent neuroscientists for years. Anything she can read about it. She's had her master plan of, okay, here's what I need to do in middle school. Here's what I need to do in high school. I wanna go get my undergrad and I'll do this and this. And then she wants to get her PhD. So she's very much who she is. And it's really funny because I do feel like we're all born who we are for the most part. And we are all born with some special the special sauce, the special talent, the interest that makes us who we are. And a lot of times we lose that, right? We lose our way. We get swayed by other people. We're not confident in who we are as a brand. But when I look back at my life, a big part of who I always was, was bringing people together, creating collaborations, amplifying, whether it was events or people, and creating creating these safe spaces for people to be who they were. And that is what I do now. I just do it in a different way. And I've realized that for me, PR and marketing is the right way to do it and podcasting and all that fun stuff.
0: Okay. I love what you just said, because I, I agree with you. You are born the way you are and life is about uncovering or discovering who you actually are. Some okay. people like your daughter know it early. We all have friends who <laughs> knew they wanted to be a physician at age six or something, you know, they broke their arm when they were six. They were fascinated by watching the doctor put the cast on their arm and they decided, oh, I want to do that. Well, a lot of us aren't that, but we do know certain things about ourselves. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew very, very, very early on that the stage I felt most comfortable on had a performance aspect to it. And what I mean by a stage is, when I present concepts to a client, that's a presentation, it's a stage and I present and I do it pretty well from what I hear. But also I play music, Ah, uh, that's part of who I am, that kind of performance thing. And mm-hmm. I initially thought, well, what am I? I'm a writer, why? Because I'm a copywriter, that's the job title that was given me when I started working mm-hmm. at an ad agency. And the answer is no, writing is the tool I used. Yes. I am not the tool i am the craftsman Mm -hmm. and you said exactly that about yourself you talked about the things you do and then happened to mention at the end oh and by the way pr is the kind of the tool i utilize to make connections and collaborations happen listeners do you understand what we're talking about here it's about discovering the craftsman in you the craftsman in you the craftswoman in you and not focus on the tools so if you currently play with video, great. You're not defined by what camera you can afford. Right. You're defined by the fact that you tell visual stories via motion media. And the thing is, motion media is going to change over time. Motion media back in caveman days was the shaman who was standing with the fire reflecting in such a way that the shadows cast on the wall made him look like the vicious bison that was attacking him, you know? And he was telling a story visually. They didn't have cameras back then, but he was a visual storyteller or a visual communicator. The tools are going to change. The craftsperson can master all the tools. Yeah. Do not define yourself by your tool. Uh, and uh, is that something that your students at USC are starting to come to terms with or are starting to look at? And again, we talked about Andre in last week's episode. We might as well <laughs> talk about Andre again. Just because well, he's so clear, oh, he knows. So
1: clear. Yeah, there's, there's no question. It's really amazing. I mean, actually after class last night, he came up to me and said, I have my first client for my agency. And he was very clear on what he wanted to do. We've been working on a lot of that brand for him and just haven't had to do too many tweaks or too many suggestions for him. And his ask was, would I be willing to consider this person being on my podcast? Even though they were newer, this person was also a recent master's graduate and was really starting out. And I said, of course, it doesn't matter how much experience they have, necessarily, as long as they can tell a good story and tell the story of who they are, their brand and why they're doing what they're doing and the lessons learned along the way. And they might not have as many lessons as some of us who are a couple decades older, but they're still going to have something of value to add to a conversation. So I said, you know what? A lot of times I'll say no to younger people sometimes, depending on how they approach me, how they pitch me to be on the podcast. But I know Andre, I know he'll set his client up for success. And I said, listen to a whole listen to some episodes. Fill out this form. By the way, this form that you're filling out for your client for the podcast, this is exactly what you need to know when you're pitching other podcasts. You need to have these questions answered. You need to know, you need to have a Bio, you need to have great, clear photos. You need to have the questions that they're willing to answer, topics that they want to talk about. Have all this information ready. It makes it a lot easier for us as podcasters when somebody comes with a very clear pitch. And I I trust Andre already to know that he will deliver a client that is ready to be on the podcast.
0: And look at this kid. He's, He's already built his brand with you, and you now have part of his spiel that you're telling me and yeah. you're, you're part of his unpaid sales force, for crying out loud, because he knows what he's doing. And he, he it, I, I'm kind of blown away.
1: It's one of those things that I love. That's part of why I love teaching, because I, I will say, let's schedule office hours. Anybody who wants to is a student of mine, or even if they're just, they're not a student of mine, but they want to learn something. They can schedule an office hour and I will talk to them about their brand and I'll think about so. For Andre, the first time we had a conversation, I said, okay, I gave him I, afterwards, I gave him a list of maybe 10 people I can connect him with who are in the music industry, specifically in the DJ world or, or work with DJs or work at labels or release their own music, I Said, here are some people to look at. I want you to, to do some research on each one and then come back to me and let me know which introductions. I'm not going to make them all at once. I want to make sure that I'm being careful of these relationships, time, and also of yours. So think about what you want to ask them and come back to me with a list of who you want to be introduced to first. And he's done that. He's done the work. But that makes it so fun. And total sidebar, I've also had USC grad students who are in programs that I teach, getting their master's, find me through the podcast Hmm. and then realize I was a professor at USC and say, hey, I have listened to your podcast. Then I realized that you teach here in my program. Can I sign up for your class? And I've had to say no because my class is full. But... I'm like, I, I send that on, right? To, and I also let them know you could take it from this other person or if you just ever want to have a conversation and ask me questions, I'm happy to answer. Sure. That's what I, why I was like immediately drawn to, we just met, I just got your book, but I'm gonna, I, we're going to do podcast swapping because I want you on know, my podcast. And then I, you were kind enough to invite me on yours. It's like, okay, let's get you into the class first because I know that you'll bring so much value and that you are somebody who wants to teach and help. You don't want to just keep it all inside yourself, right? That's why you have two books. That's why you have podcasts. That's why you have success you have because you're willing to share from your experience.
0: Yeah. Well, and the whole thing too, is that that sharing, you can call it karma. You can call it fate. You can call it whatever you want, but I believe that there is a finite amount of energy and some of it's not good energy. Some of it's very good energy. You get to choose which type of energy you embrace in this world and you get to choose whether you're going to hoard that energy to yourself or you're going to share it with others. Yeah. I know that hoarding it doesn't do anything for me. But I know by getting it out there into the world, is there a line of sight directly to a dollar bill associated with that energy sharing? No, never. Until there is. And you don't right. know where that, you know, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Well, you don't know where that second point is yet. It's, it's that old Steve Jobs Stanford graduation speech where he talks about all the straight lines in your life you never see until you turn back and look and you see, oh, I took this class on calligraphy at Reed College in Oregon that taught me a sensitivity toward typography, which made me make sure that the first Macintosh computer actually cared about fonts, even on dot matrix printers to the point that anyone who had a creative par, uh, you know, component in their soul said, oh, PC versus Mac. I like the Mac because they actually yeah. care about typography. And all of a sudden, every creative in the world wants to work on Apple Macintosh computers. And if they're forced to go to an agency that only has Windows, yeah. frankly, I know creatives who went into interview and when they saw that the creatives had to work on Windows machines, they didn't take the job. Yeah. Why? Because they knew they could not stare at that ugly Windows machine every day. There's a J.J. Abrams TED Talk that's brilliant, too, where he talks about Apple computers. And he talks about how that MacBook that he uses to write his scripts on actually inspires him to be better. Because he is so thrilled by the design and the sensitivities and the subtleties of it. Some people don't get it. Well, guess what? He does. I do. Creatives all over the world do. And that's why, you know, I'm a pain in the butt when it comes to Apple products. I own Apple stock, by the way, full disclosure, because I (laughs) love that company because that company has a brand that is very clear. Yeah. It's not about the hardware. It's about the user experience. They design user experiences. I would say they even design user delight.
1: Oh, I was delighted today when i downloaded the latest update 17 point whatever and i'm looking at all the fun things that i need to learn how to do but there's so it, they add a lot of fun to the user experience and you want to be surprised and delighted right we all do and that's something that we can bring but i want to i want to go back to something that you said because one thing that's interesting about my brand is that i do do a lot right i am a single mom I'm invested a lot in philanthropy. I have a couple of nonprofits that I've started that I'm still very involved with. I have a podcast, I teach. I also have a job as doing PR and operations for a marketing agency and consultancy. I also created an online curriculum. I'm also an author now. But, and I sit on, I do all these other things and people always wonder like, how do you do all things? And for me, they're not all separate little things. And I put them into my mind map and my big puzzle and make them make sense and not necessarily take time away from each other, because I am saying no to the other things that don't make sense. But without the things that I do, I wouldn't have the relationships that I have, right? I've lived in, I'm from Kansas. I've lived in Kansas City. I've lived in Chicago. I've lived in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Houston. I have relationships from each point in my life and all the different jobs and experiences I've had, whether it is nonprofit or whether it is at an agency, And those relationships serve me really well. People remember me from those times and then they hire me for other things. So they recommend me to their friends or I know that I can go back and say, hey, I have somebody who you should work with. So it's really beautiful the way it works. And I've had to lean in, though, and trust my instincts to be who I fully am, which means, yeah, I might be tired on weekends and trying to cram in a whole bunch of stuff and finish grading papers while I'm taking my daughter to tennis or to whatever activities with her friends. But that's okay, because there's a finite amount of time I have to do these things. And I know that I am so enriched by the relationship that I've made through each one of these activities. And maybe, you know, like you said, it's not was necess- a through line to financial, but there is a line where it does get to a reward, whether it's time well spent with somebody, a great friendship, financial reward, an opportunity to do something really cool you wouldn't have been able to do.
0: The key word I just want to point out to listeners, how many times did Annika say or actually pronounce the word relationship in the last five minutes? (laughs) Probably closer to 10 than one. There's a reason for that. We're talking about her. We're talking about her brand. Is there a difference between her and her brand? No, there is not. And the thing that you clearly understand that every good brander understands is that brand is about relationships, not just transactions. Sale is about transactions. How can I get you in this car? What, what's it going to take to put, get you in this car today, says the oily used car salesman. He just wants the transaction. If you've read Malcolm Gladwell's book, what was it? Blink, I think. Mm-hmm. Where there, he talks about a used car, or not a used car dealer, but a a, a car salesman who does not profile anyone. Because a lot of sales car sales guys, you walk up and they profile you and go, you have no money. I'm not going to talk to you. Exactly. This guy goes, and Malcolm Gladwell was interviewing this older guy who is the, the top salesman at this uh, car dealership. And he says how do you, how do you become the top salesman here and, and he said i don't profile anybody because i'll be honest with you the guy who rolls up in the dirty pickup truck who gets out and he's got muddy boots and he's wearing overalls and a carhartt jacket and a you know a trucker hat he's a farmer who just sold his entire crop and he's got several hundred thousand dollars and he's going to drop he's going to pay cash Mm -hmm. For a $55,000 King Ranch version, whatever it is. And, oh, and the other thing is, he's going to buy another one for his son. And -hmm. for this guy that no other salesperson would touch because of the way they looked. Right. He's going to get this $100,000 worth of sales and any future business from this person. Exactly. Because he's creating relationships, not going after transactions.
1: And that's the difference between a salesperson and a great salesperson is they understand it's about that relationship building the first transaction and i think we you talk about this as well the first transaction is the most important one it's the second one it's the third one it's the fourth one what is going to be if you're thinking about sales the lifetime customer value right like how are you going to continue interacting and making and serving your customers and it's something that people usually do pretty poorly whether it's you capture people's information you you might be e-commerce You have an interesting brand, people like to buy from you, but are you nurturing that relationship? Are you sending coupons if somebody hasn't bought from you in a while? If you see that they like buying a certain color, are you making sure to remind them whenever you have a new product in that color that they like to purchase? Are you sending a happy birthday message or are you just collecting their birthday and not doing anything with it? So how are you creating that relationship and that dialogue that creates that love for who you are and for your brand And it's going to create that consistency it's going to make you the brand people talk about with their friends that they recommend to other people and that they're going to continue coming back to and buying from
0: and the funny thing is you don't know what is going to be the thing that delights them i'm (laughs) reminded of the fact that i don't follow rules very well i just (laughs) don't all the rules but i understand the value behind the concept of the rules. so The old sales thing of no sale requires less than X number of touches with the consumer, the customer, your audience. Okay, you've got to have touches, meaning an email. Maybe it's a phone call if necessary. Maybe it's a shared this, that, or the other thing. My favorite way to reach out and touch someone that I want to keep a relationship going on with is sending like an email and say, hey, I was just watching the Rose Bowl and I just wanted to point out that I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, home of the Wisconsin Badgers. And they actually wiped your team's butt. So, (laughs) you know, and what happens then, especially if I'm talking, especially to another guy, because guys do that ribbing thing, they will love it and give it right back just as hard in a wonderful way. that's, That's kind of a way of saying, Yeah, I like you. I like you enough to give you crap. Yeah. If you are, and this is where men are different than women. (laughs) Men, if you give a guy crap and he's your friend, he's going to laugh and then give you crap right back. And that secures the relationship for the next six months to a year. So it doesn't have to be a, I found this Wall Street Journal article that I thought you might find enlightening. Although that could be absolutely perfect. If that Wall Street Journal article is addressing something that you talked about with that person, like, I don't know if, let's say that they want to open up a a relationship with a vendor in Shanghai, and it's an article about Shanghai, ven you know, vendor relationships with Americans, the challenges they're facing. Whoa, perfect. We talked about this. I saw it. I'm sharing it with you. What does that do? It literally reinforces the fact that, one, I know each. I, we had a conversation. I was listening. I listened Actually. so much. I found something that can serve you. Maybe you've already seen it. I still get credit for sharing it with you. And boom, that relationship gets a little bit deeper. And that's the goal. And one of the things I want to address, too, is you talked about all the things you do. Is it part of a master strategy? Yeah, you've kind of indicated that you've got a mind map where you've got Uh, at least in in your head, how these things are all interrelated, but is it a 150 step strategy that you just check things off every day? No, you just do what you can do the way you do it and it perpetuates itself. And why does it continue to perpetuate itself? Because that's the way you roll. I love that phrase. That's the way I roll because that's it. I roll. I don't have to struggle. I just kind of roll down the street. This is the way I do things. And if you don't like it, great. I don't have to waste time on you. You don't have to waste time on me. Because again, brands, the most powerful word brands can use is the word no. No, we don't do that. We won't do that. That's totally against brand. I'm sure you use this lingo all the time. Is it on brand? Is it off brand? If it's off brand, we don't do it. We don't even have to talk about it. We don't have to waste our breath on it because we know what our brand is.
1: And when you go off brand, things usually don't go very well, right? When you stay on brand, things go in the right direction because you're pouring the right energy, that positivity into something. I've had circumstances where I'm like, oh, I'll work with that person. They're not quite exactly the kind of person I usually work with, but they have a big, they have a lot of money to spend. It never works out right? Something happens yeah. with the relationship. They find, they get distracted by something else. They come up with an excuse to stop working with you. You're not able to deliver what they want because they keep changing their mind. Like there's so many examples of that when you go off brand, what that can do. And you're right. And it is hard sometimes for people to understand what the connections are between all these different things. And you have to really spell it out and show them. But once they see it, they have that aha moment that helps them understand who you are. But the number one thing, right, is show up, be consistent. So I show up, I show up for my podcast. Sometimes I have to cancel episodes because life happens, but I then send a special link or I make it up to the person. I show up for my daughter, I show up for my students, I show up for my job, like I show up and I do the best work I can do that day. And if I can't deliver my best work, then I'm transparent about why I can't. But I know who I am and I know what value I bring And if that's no longer something that works for both parties, then that's fine. And I'll take my energy somewhere else, right? But for now, knock on wood, it's working and it opens up a lot more opportunities when you just live in your brand authentically, when you don't try to placate other people or be somebody that you're not. And it evolves and it changes. If people asked about my brand in Houston, Texas, it was more of like, I, was, I chair galas, I sit on boards, I'm really into fashion, you know, I do blah, blah, blah. I have a social club. And then when I moved back to LA, I was like, I don't have to do any of that stuff. I, I, didn't, I liked it at the time, but, and I still do some, but I can also just really hone in on who I am and just by being me, get clients and get opportunities.
0: Well, and that's the key. Who you were in Houston was no different than who you are in Los Angeles. You changed some of the trappings, maybe some of the tools you use, (laughs) maybe maybe some of the venues you show up in. You don't do that anymore. Have you changed? No. If anything, you've grown to the point where you go, oh, I kind of did that. Man, I I enjoyed it, but it wasn't for the 100 percent right reasons for, you know, for me. So I'm shedding that. Like it's a sweater that doesn't fit anymore. I don't have to keep that sweater in my closet. I can shed that sweater. I can give it to somebody else for that matter. Especially when you know exactly who you are, what you do and how you do it. Well, once again, Annika, you have been such a wonderful new friend and I'm delighted to have met you. And I know that we are gonna have a long-term relationship because when you find someone that you feel like you're a, a tribe member with, Totally. Oh, grab them, embrace them and never, ever let them go. Because the people who get you are far fewer than the people who don't. So if, they, <laughs> if people get you, put them in, you know, keep them in your life because yeah. they are the ones that maybe they'll never write you a check. Doesn't yeah. matter. There'll be a character reference. There'll be a business reference. they will be an evangelist for your services or even just a, oh, you know who you should talk to? If they're part of your referral network, what is that worth? Huge. So, when you find someone like Annika Jackson, you gotta bring them into your tribe. Welcome to the tribe called the Nonfiction Brand. In fact, this podcast was brought to you by the book version of the tribe. And that book is called Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are. You can get it at the house of Jeff Bezos, Amazon.com. Just search for Nonfiction Brand and my last name, Knuton, spelled K-N-U. D as in David, T as in Tom, E as in Edward, N as in nothing. That's it for this week on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I am, of course, your host, D.P. Knuton, and she is- Annika Jackson. And you can follow her at her, your brand amplified podcast, which is available any place, fine podcasts are free check that out. That's it for this week. I'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye.